Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Thank you for joining me on this sports podcast. Today is February 12, 2020. A lot of sports to talk about on the show. Thank you for joining me. We're going to start with MMA Fighting's Jose Youngs. To recap, a wild UFC 247 in Houston, a controversial decision in the John Jones-Dominic Reyes fight. Jones retained. One judge was really crazy with his scorecard. We break down that. Shevchenko's dominance. The rest of the fights on the card. And what we have to look forward to in the mixed martial arts world and the boxing world with Wilder Joshua coming up in just 10 short days. Then I'm going to talk to my buddy Tyler Tesson about the NFL quarterback musical chairs that's coming up. Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, maybe Cam Newton, Jameis Winston. A lot of moving parts at the QB position. We talk a little bit about some hockey news and uh, the new XFL league. We got to break that down as well. It's Tyler Tesson and Jose Young's on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect to recap UFC 247 and get going with all the other fights in the mixed martial arts world. From MMA fighting, it's Jose Young's friend of the program. Jose, thanks for coming back on the Money Mitch Effect. Anytime, boss. As soon as this fight card was over, I was just waiting for the message from you to hop on and talk fist fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 247 in Houston was an interesting one. There was a lot of events, some good, some bad, some really unfortunate. Uh, I thought about how I was going to start this. we got to just get this out of the way, so I'm going to frame it in, in this question format for yourself. Uh, what do you think is more likely going forward, that we're going to have a, a fight card that uh, doesn't involve a controversy with the judges or – is it more likely that you might say something nice about the Red Sox front office? Man, <laughs> neither one's going to happen anytime soon. I just, I had to, we had to address the elephant in the room. You're as big a Red Sox fan as I know. And uh, I, I never thought I'd say this to a Red Sox fan, given all the success they've had in the last decade, but I'm really sorry for you. Yeah, it's uh I wish I could use colorful language on your show, but it's a messed up situation, and uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be. Uh, I haven't decided if I'm gonna watch baseball this year. Let's put it that way. Mookie Betts is a generational talent, and the fact that a team like this is such a small market, small potatoes move. I just we've seen teams do it. The fact that the Red Sox are crying, the oh we messed up financially, we we're in the luxury tax hell, we can't make. We can't make it work. I mean, you make it work for a guy like this. Like that's just yeah. That's just what you this do. is the guy you you unload the Brinks trucks for, and uh, I have no words when it when it went through. I was if he was gonna leave, I wish he had left on his own accord to get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have I would have been happy for him. Like if he had decided to go to Atlanta, like I assume he would have, uh, or even if he had signed with the Dodgers on his own for more money than we were offering, then uh, I would have been okay with it. I just want this this cat to get paid, but the fact that the Red Sox front office just shipped him off uh, just to get under the luxury tax is 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 I cannot wrap my head around. I can't. I still can't wrap my head around it. I just don't understand why. If this was the best offer you could get, why not just play it out? You know, play it out. Go through the year. Go get to the deadline. And if he does walk, at least you have one more year of contending with him. You get one more year of him in the jersey. Like I don't think this was a deal where you had to take. Like it probably would have been available a couple months from now too. Just, just it, very confusing. It it could turn out to be a genius move. Like if we get under the luxury tax, we ship off a chunk of David Price's thing, and 
he, for whatever reason, decides to re-sign with us, which obviously probably won't happen, then it's a genius move. Uh, but right now, I don't think that will mm-hmm. that will never happen. Uh, but I can't. I can't. It's the fact that we're talking. We're, we're using the phrase "rebuilding" and "Red Sox" in the same sentence is baffling to me. It's pretty crazy, uh, but I mean, any any time a player like Mookie Betts is just shipped off unceremoniously, unceremoniously, uh, you know, at his age with his skill level, kind of hard to fathom. Dodgers appear to be loaded for the next decade, but they haven't gotten over the hump yet. We'll see if this is the one that does it. Now, now moving back to the fights, I had to get the Red Sox talk out. Two forty seven was. Top heavy. It had it had dominant performance. It had controversy. I want to start though, Jose, like we we tend to do with some of the undercard fights, some of the early main card fights. There was a lot to like early on, and and, and is the case with a lot of these fights. You get to see fighters that attach themselves and, and get on the card with a Jones, with a Shevchenko, to really make a name for themselves against casual fans that might not otherwise see them. Who do you think really made a name for themselves on this card that was kind of getting introduced to the casual fan? Uh, there's a few. Uh, I don't know if casual fans caught some of them, but like you said, Zalal, who was the very first fighter the whole night, he was like a two to one underdog. Uh, Austin Lingo, I think, had three straight uh, TK knockout wins under in like under 30 seconds mm-hmm. uh, entering this fight, and then Yusef Zalal just 30 27 him across the board uh, from Morocco, and uh, he represents his country very like like no one else. Uh, not a lot of Moroccan fighters out there, so he kind of if he keeps this up. He could really be a major player, especially with the UFC trying to push into Africa. A lot of people think that if the UFC does go to Africa, Morocco's the most logical first place, that or Cape Town. But uh, Morocco seems to be the one that people usually bring up. So he's he's obviously one to uh, to, to circle. Uh, Chaos Williams, oh yeah, uh, real name Ka- <laughs> real name Kalen Williams, but everybody calls like he's like Rampage. Everyone calls him Rampage or Crow Cop or yeah. you name like those, those like his Chaos is people call like on the official bout sheet it was Chaos Williams, not Kylan Williams. Uh, Alex Morono uh, from Texas uh, was supposed to fight Diego Lima, uh, brother of Bellator champ Douglas Lima. Diego Lima gets hurt like handful, like maybe a week or week and a half, two weeks before the fight card. Chaos Williams steps up on incredibly short notice, gets a 27 second knockout. Uh, and then Trevin Giles uh, fought James Krause. James Krause took the fight on like 24 hours notice uh his original opponent uh arroyo it was an awesome uh, fight Tre- trevin trevin giles original opponent arroyo uh pulled out uh, after cramp he made weight uh, to his credit but like the cramping in his body was failing they pulled him out james Krause, who normally fights a welterweight was there to corner someone gets the call a uh, volunteers to step up and a lot of people actually think he won uh one this is one of the more controversial uh scorecards uh he had trevin giles uh who is a uh, police officer in Houston, took a year off to become a cop yeah. uh, fighting in Houston, so he was a big hometown favorite. But uh, Trevin Giles basically found himself stuck in a rear naked choke for four minutes in the first round. And the judge in question, who became oh, yeah. the, the ire of everyone else, gave Trevin Giles that round. Uh, so uh, a lot of, lot of great performances. Mario Bautista obviously uh, hated Miles Johns. His, uh, Miles Johns was undefeated entering this contest. He got finished. Jordan Nelson uh, knocked on Domingo Pilarte in 38 seconds, and uh, I think he broke his foot on a head kick or fractured his. He thinks he fractured his foot on a head kick. So, uh, in terms of the preliminary card, there were some 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 top notch performances. Warren Murphy obviously got a big win, but that is also incredibly controversial. So, the word controversy is going to be tied to this entire card for the foreseeable future. 
and look, and we're going to get into it, but like we can disagree reasonably on some of these outcomes, right? Like a lot of these fights were close and one person could see it one way, I could see it another way. Controversy in terms of how we see people winning the fights in individual rounds, that's okay. What's not okay is, as you mentioned, uh, the decision in the first round in the Gals Kraus fight, which, come on, I mean, and, and we'll get to the main event, it's the same type of situation. I mean, even more controversial, like Lauren Murphy over Andrea Lee, I don't, like, supposedly there was a there was a judge who was like on his phone during the fight like wasn't even watching well, the fight just... uh, one person scored the entire all three rounds 30 27 to lauren murphy and last i saw i'm gonna look it up right now because this is because i'm that professional uh i think last i saw i don't think a single media member scored it uh for and for uh lauren murphy um let's let's see lauren murphy angela yeah no not a no single medium me, that's incredible across the board no one scored for lauren murphy the only three the only two people that scored for lauren murphy were two of those judges and one of them gave lauren murphy all three rounds which is un, again truly baffling to me it was again just a crazy night a lot of controversy um you know getting to the main card i just want your quick thought on this one the lewis win the black beast win uh how did you have that fight scored it's tough. Uh, I didn't really have a score for it. It just really depends on. This is a subjective fight. Like it really depends on whether you judge uh, control or damage. Derek Lewis is obviously landing the harder punches. Eli Latifi was on. Like every time they separated, Derek Lewis was throwing these lunch pails at him. Uh, so if you're going by just pure damage, clearly Derek Lewis won. But if you're going against a guy, if you're judging based on who had control of the fight. I think it was clearly Ilya Latifi. Uh, I don't really have a problem with judges uh, scoring it if they control the fight. Like, if you're just laying on top, I don't have a problem. It might not be the most exciting fight. But at the end of the day, if you want to be a champion and you can't keep a grown man off you for 15 minutes, then you probably shouldn't be champion. That's what MMA is all about. Like, right. And, they're yeah, dude, they're opposing their will. I agree. I, I did have Latifi winning a close 2-1, but it was a coin. I mean, it was close. It, it, yeah, this I didn't have. I wouldn't have had a problem with either one. It was. It was. It was cool to see Derek Lewis get the hometown win. Uh, he was by far the biggest star outside of the John Jones and Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, everywhere he went, he was getting mobbed. Big pop. He walked out to tops drops by Fat Pat. Uh, oh, man. Like so. Like like if 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 you're picking one song to walk out to in Houston, like that that walking out to. Tops drops the, the the freaking lid blew off that place. So Trey the Truth was there with him, another wow. hometown rapper. So uh, it was it was a good night for Derek Lewis and a good win for the Houston crowd. But uh, and to his credit, he joked with us. I asked him in media day, you can go watch the MMA Fighters YouTube page. Uh, I was like, how do you think you're going to win? I assume knockout. He go he in like joking. He's like, oh, I'm probably going to win a controversial hometown decision. Uh, so put that on the record. And then true to his word, he, he, he was right. He won a controversial decision. So uh, he called it. That was perfect. Uh, and he was like the second son coming home. It was great to see. And, uh, yeah, it was a close fight. He's somebody that uh, has got on a nice little win streak here. They've both been close, controversial wins. But good for him. You know, the, the featherweight fight, again, I didn't really have a problem with that split decision. That was a close fight. You know, like I don't know if you saw it a different way, but. It was just a high-level fight. Again, I wouldn't have had any issue uh, with either man winning. Uh, Dan Ige is obviously one of the, the hotter fighters in the division right now. Uh, Mayor said Bektik, uh, win or lose, he always puts on a great performance. It wasn't the barn burner that everyone expected. A lot of people kind of put pressure on this fight to be a uh, performance of the night or fight of the night uh, award winner. Uh, but Dan Ige won. Uh, he's still surging. I think that's five in a row. He should be ranked now uh, probably somewhere in the 15-14 range. And 
Uh, I really hope he gets that Bryce Mitchell fight. Uh, he's been calling for that fight for a while, and uh, Mirside Bektik's not going anywhere either anytime soon. He's uh, he, he's he, the, It was just a high-level martial arts competition. I can't remember any highlights. That's how uh, close this fight was. There was no like crazy head kick or almost finish or crazy submission. It was just too. Uh, it was like a violent chess match. So uh, I I I I, enjoy, I I thoroughly enjoyed this fight. It was. We also saw uh, Justin Taffa beat Juan Adams in the heavyweight yeah. fight. The newcomer, relative newcomer, with a with a TKO. A couple heavyweights going at it, and that got us to the co-main event. Jose Youngs from MMA fighting here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, Valentino Shevchenko. Not yep. much more you can say. This is you talked about high level martial artists. Doesn't get doesn't get much more high level than this. This was an, a clinic, an assassin, and uh, I, I mean, I mean, I, I, she's got this division on lock. What else can you say? Yeah, there's. It's she's getting into this this category, this 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 area of uh, of like the Anderson Silvers and the George St. Pierre's from the from like the first half of the two thousands, like the two thousand two thousand nine range where. It was basically like every single person that faced them. It was, it wasn't a matter of if they would win; it would be when they would lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really not anyone out there, and she's not just winning on her feet. I mean, like she's tapped Juliana Pena in in the bantamweight division. Juliana Pena is a high level wrestler, and Valentina Shevchenko tapped her from the bottom. A lot of people think she actually beat that Amanda Nunes uh, the second time, uh, and the first fight was very close. Yeah, uh, and then she she's she she just takes down Kalen Chukagian, who. Uh, if you know anything about Kalen Chukagian or you watched her corner, like she has John, she has John Donaher in her corner. He's one of the he's Gordon Ryan's head uh, jujitsu coach, and Gordon Ryan's like just to call him the best jujitsu practitioner, no jujitsu practitioner in the world would be an understatement. It's like him rolling is like Mayweather boxing. Like you just know what's going to happen, um, and you, you you just pay to see. Oh, you just pay to see him dominate. She had Mark Henry, Frankie Edgar's striking coach. And John Donahue in, in her corner for her striking grappling. And Valentina Shevchenko just cut through and finished her with a mounted crucifix, like a, mo- a high-level Muay Thai fighter finishing a, her opponent in the crucifix position. There's not many people uh, who are going to be able to stop her, but nonetheless, she hasn't cleaned out the division quite yet. There are obviously a few names left yeah. for her. There's only been, I think, eight finishes total, right, in UFC history in the crucifix position. Something like that. Something crazy. Um, I was going to ask you, though, before we get to kind of her future in the division, Shevchenko, I mean, ridiculous performance, but saw the injury, uh, you know, the medical suspensions, and she was on there longer than I think anybody else. Is that a, is that a serious thing you're hearing? Valentina? No, nah, it's just it's just precautionary. Okay. Uh, most people, like, you get a, you get a six-month suspension. If you do get a 180-day suspension or a 90-day suspension, mm-hmm. uh, you can go in and you can get cleared. So very okay. rarely do you, you have to sit up. It's more precautionary than okay. anything. Maybe she has, like, a cut or, like, she, I mean, you can break your hand throwing a punch and still win. So maybe she has right. like a, a broken hand or a broken finger or something like that. So uh, not, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Well, there's fights there left in that flyweight division, yeah, uh, for sure. And I think it's just a matter of, of, I don't know what game plan there is to beat her. Like outside of her going up and testing herself that way, similar to the discussions we're kind of having with John Jones in a lot of ways. I just, I don't see anyone in this division in the near future challenging her. Uh, they're it's challenging her and being the next one up are two are two different conversations. Obviously, I don't know anyone that's that will be able to challenge her right now. Um, there there are obviously some high level wrestlers I would like to see her fight. She's mostly like just guys striker, counter Kagan striker. You're not gonna be able to outstrike Valentina Shevchenko, but there are some very durable women uh, out there. I think that could that could maybe not maybe not get 
head kicked into oblivion or or, or, cru- or they'll know what to do in a crucifix like uh, Roxanne Modafari. A lot of people think she could be one of the next women up. Uh, I think if you're in terms of like high like marketing ability and who's hot right now in the storyline, I think the no-brainer is Roxanne. She just beat Macy Barber. Uh, she was a minus 1,000 underdog, which is baffling to me considering Roxanne Modafari has – been fighting longer than macy barber's been alive oh, um so like she's forgotten more than macy barber's learned uh she's been in the she's been competing since like 2003 uh and just now beating macy barber who was undefeated incredibly popular on that big con mcgregor card if you're looking at our youtube numbers outside of connor and cowboy roxanne modifier did the best Whoa. uh yes and mm. so if you and if you look at her record she's very every her last few losses her opponents missed weight, like Sajara Eubanks and Jennifer Maya both missed weight ahead of fighting her. So she's only losing to people who have an unfair advantage. She's in probably the sweetest human being you'll ever meet. She's a huge anime fan. She's very there goofy. You wins points she's, for you. There you go. She's very go- she's very goofy individual. Uh, maybe not the most marketable in terms of like looks, but she's a phenomenal fighter. She's been doing this forever. She has a win over Valentina's sister in Moscow. I know the UFC wants to go back to Russia a lot. I think a fight between those two in Russia would be the ideal situation. It'd be a really good ESPN Plus. Valentina mm-hmm. can headline it uh, in a in a part of the world she can she can connect with the fans. Uh, Roxanne Modafari obviously gets to go back to Russia to fight the other Shevchenko sister. And I know this is a side this is a tangent, but Kevin Lee is fighting Charles Oliveira in the main event of uh, Brasilia. Uh, and he only took that fight because he wants to then, if he wins, he wants to fight Islam Makachev in Russia. Uh, so basically, Kevin Lee, who beats Gregor, Kevin Lee fights Gregor Gillespie in Gregor Gillespie's hometown of New York, goes to Brazil to fight Charles Oliveira, a Brazilian, and then he wants to go fight Islam Makachev in Russia. I think Valentina Shevchenko versus Roxanne Modafari as the main event, and then Kevin Lee versus Islam Makachev as the co main event is good. a phenomenal fight night card for Russia. So uh, you're welcome, UFC, uh, you for go. doing your job for you. We're <laughs> just doing some fantasy booking here. I love it. Uh, and, and, you know, I, those are great ideas, and I think we got to get there first, but that is, a, that is a formidable opponent and definitely a cool atmosphere. Uh, speaking of which, I didn't know that uh, Halle Berry was going to be there offering her support from Shevchenko. So there's a yeah, she's supposedly friendship. supposedly uh, Shevchenko is going to be in uh, is in her new movie, uh, which will be uh, I, I don't know what what she plays, but that's why her hair was red. Uh, okay. She dyed her hair she dyed her hair red specifically for that movie. We'll have to see what happens there. Uh, a new friendship and and, Shevchen- and Shevchenko maybe crossing over. Who would have thought that she's? She, I mean, she she also actual. speaks like five languages. Yeah, she spoke Spanish after, which was just where did that come from? I didn't. Well, know. she she's uh, she's Peruvian Kurz like her okay. some one of her uh, parents is from Peru and the other parent is from Kyrgyzstan. So uh, she's she knows like like she knows like Spanish, English, Russian. Like she knows multiple languages. Uh, she's like a, a, a phenomenal dancer. She can paint. Uh, she she's constantly showing off herself, shooting guns and jumping mm-hmm. out of planes. She's basically the real life James Bond. Seems <laughs> like it. <laughs> Seems like it. Uh, definitely very dangerous. Uh, but a great fighter as well. Shevchenko wins the main event, the light heavyweight title fight. John Jones and Dominic Reyes. It was a unanimous decision for John Jones win. Five rounds. Scorecards forty eight forty seven for two. One had 49-46. Let's start there. We know the 49-46 is ridiculous. We can just get out of the way right now, Jose. There's no excuse for having the fight scored that way. 
Yeah, I can understand like that third round initially watching was very close. There's no in my mind, there's no way John Jones won four rounds. I don't think John Jones won three rounds, but that's so, yeah, a separate argument. Yeah, and uh, I would four, I would round, slightly, four to one is nonsense. I would say I thought Jones won three two in the moment and, and this is where I'll give judges in, in boxing and in mixed martial arts the benefit of the doubt. You're watching it real time. When you watch back and break down a round, you're able to kind of look at it a different way, and that's not how the scoring works. I had it 3-2 to two Jones. Very tight third round. Could have gone either way. Understand if people say Reyes won the fight. But the second round, I think that was the round that they gave that that, that judge whose name will not be named gave to uh, Jones. That was ridiculous. I mean, there's just yeah, no I mean, way. I, me and my cameraman, Casey Lydon, watched, the round, watched rounds two and three, which supposedly were the two swing rounds. We watched them the next day because we were going to shoot coffee talk and we wanted to freshen our minds. I don't know how you can score the second round for John Jones at all. I think it was very cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Dominic Reyes won. Like, yeah, he, John Jones maybe connected with more, but he like Dominic Reyes like hunted him down in that in that round, landed yeah. that beautiful uppercut. Uh, yeah, he ate a, he got his net head snatched back, but I don't think there's any. If if you scored round two for John, John Jones, you're an idiot. I'm just gonna that, I'm just gonna keep it blunt. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then that third round, we watched it again, and yes, it was close, but I still scored it for Dominic Reyes. Like, yeah, if, if someone argued, like, if someone argued with me that John Jones won round three, I'd say that's fine. I get it; it's very close, but in my mind, it's Dominic Reyes. Clear, like right. he did enough. But, it's it's yeah. a, it, it again goes with this: what do you judge, control or damage? Like, right. and, yes, John Jones shot for a takedown, but Dominic Reyes clearly did more damage. Right, I think my my only counter to that would just be like you only get one time in the moment to watch this round. So yeah. like if we go, it's like watching you know watching tape on a football game or a baseball game or whatever. Like you can watch it back and be like, oh, I see, maybe this is where he dominated it more. But in real time, the refs don't really have that. You know, the judges don't really have that option. The other two judges that scored the fight forty eight forty seven. That's very fair and very fine. Uh, I could have seen Reyes winning it. Uh, this was a great performance by him. I know he's going to have a sour taste in his mouth. Uh, for losing, but he is a major player in this division. He was, and now he's affirmed that he's here. Jose, his youth and his fight experience is getting better and better. The gas tank, he, he slowed down a little bit, but for a five-round fight, he was with John Jones and, and could have easily been the winner in this fight. Oh, he didn't care who he was fighting. Like, everyone keeps, like, the big thing on John is whenever he has an opponent, they kind of, it turns into a sparring match because he kind of has this mystique about him. It's like how Anderson used to be, where like you get lured into his, you fight his style. Like you're you're, you're reacting to John rather than taking, than 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 bringing your own game plan to the table. And Dominic Reyes walked out there. He's like, I'm gonna knock this dude out, and that's what he went to do. Like outside of everyone I've seen John Jones fight, Dominic Reyes did not care who he was fighting. He just he fought John Jones the greatest fighter of all time, just like he would fight an unranked fighter. Just go out there to kill that guy. So uh, Dominic Reyes is going to be a bad dude in that division for a long time. It's going to be a problem for a lot of people. So switching back to Jones, and again, this is coming off the Santos fight, which was a split decision win, his only split decision win of his career. Now this fight, which some say he could have lost and should have lost, do we have that discussion? Is Jones slowing down? Um, I don't know. It's... I don't know if it's slowing down or people just are catching up. Maybe uh, it's just, it's tough to say because like Tiago Santos pre- presented problems that not many like. I was like, what fighter has John? What fighter did John Jones before Tiago Santos? Did John Jones fight anyone that was that was predominantly a kicker? No. 
All of oh, them have been yeah. boxers and wrestlers. So Tiago Santos presented a issue uh, that uh, John Jones had never fought, and he he was also a switch fighter. So like he wasn't orthodox or southpaw. He could switch back and forth. And if you look at John Jones's two worst fights before Tiago Santos, it was Lyoto Machida, which yes he choked him unconscious, but he clearly lost that first round mm-hmm. against the southpaw. He got he got clipped bad and was on his back le- hind legs for a while. Like Leota, I don't know if anyone that scored the first round for John Jones fight it was pretty dominant. Lyoto Machida. His second worst performance is against Ovin St. Prue, a pure southpaw. Tiago Santos uh, switched back and forth, relied on his with southpaw quite a bit, uh, blew out both of his knees, and still almost won. And then who Dominic Graves is a pure to the point southpaw, no switch, no nothing, and was could look John in the eyes. He he could he wasn't shorter than him like Daniel Cormier. He wasn't a middleweight coming up like Santos and uh, Anthony Smith and Chael Sonnen and even Leota Machida is now a middleweight. Even Vitor Belfort is a middleweight. So he has a lot of – John Jones has a lot of wins over middleweight. Even Rashad Evans went down to middleweight for a while. So Dominic Reyes was athletic, was as athletic as John Jones, was the same height as John Jones, and was a southpaw, and threw hands. It was it, – a lot of the narr- – like a lot of people saying, oh, John didn't take him seriously. I think he took him incredibly seriously – I just think we need to look at more of what Dominic Reyes brought to the table that clearly uh, John Jones uh, might have might have struggled with. I agree uh, with a lot of what you said. We always praise Jones's fight IQ. Uh, we should give credit to someone who went toe to toe with the goat and nearly yeah. won the fight. Uh, that, I think he did win the yeah, fight. No, that's, that's what thing. I'm saying. Like nearly officially, like a lot of people say he did, and and yeah. and I'm not I'm not going to get into this train of thought. Like you have to take the title from someone. It was a coin flip fight. It was in the hands of the judges. It could have gone either way. It didn't go Reyes' way, which is why I want to see this fight run back. I know Dana yeah. White's been non-committal. Jones's future plans or, or anybody's guess in, in a lot of ways. You think we'll see this fight run back soon? Because I think it's inevitable that these two ships are going to cross paths. It depends on how the Corey Anderson Jan Blachowicz fight goes. Uh, that's that's Saturday, so in a couple days night, in yeah. in Rio Rancho, uh, New Mexico, where John Jones uh, trains out of. Oh, well, he trains in Albuquerque, but obviously New Mexico. Uh, he said he would be there uh, if Corey Anderson goes out there and just crushes John Blachowicz. I think he'll fight John Jones in June. I don't know that for a fact, but I have a hunch. I wouldn't be surprised if it's in Australia either. Um, but if it's out, if he goes out there and has a snoozer for five rounds against Jan Blachowicz, which is very possible, uh, Jan Blachowicz is, is one of those fighters that makes you fight badly. Uh, and they've already fought him before. And if Cor- but if Corey Anderson does to Jan what he did to Johnny Walker in New York, yeah, I think Corey Anderson gets the, gets the nod, uh, especially because him and John have had beef in the past. John of Jones course. says Corey Anderson's fighting with a chip. He wants to knock the chip off, but if it's a snoozer, I would not be surprised if they ran it back with Dom, uh, which I would have no issue with whatsoever. I just I wonder if Dom, if Reyes is going to wait then. Like if Anderson fight June, as you mentioned, does Reyes just go fightless until then? Does he just bide his time? Does he have that luxury? Mm, it, I don't. It depends on w- when John fights again. If he doesn't want to wait, I wouldn't blame him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like if if he does want to keep fighting. Or he wants that paycheck, or uh, say they hold an event in California and he wants to headline it. Uh, I wouldn't hate him fighting the winner of Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira, which is going to be in Lincoln, Nebraska, main event. Uh, or if he want, if Tiago Santos is healthy after blowing his knees out, 
uh, him versus Santos would be a, a that would be a banger, or maybe even the loser Corey Anderson Jan Blakovich. But uh, Dom, Dominic Reyes should not have another fight unless it's a five round fight. His next fight should be five rounds. Uh, he he's earned that much. First five round fight he's had, and he passed it with flying colors. And, and uh, if they are going to run it back with John anytime soon, I think they should run it back in MSG uh, in November. Ooh. John Jones, obviously from New York, he wants and that fight. Dom, and and Dominic Reyes. Uh, football like he was an all-american football team captain at stony brook from new york so uh, both have ties to new york i i, I think it's a no-brainer that you, you if they do run that back and they want that fight i think an msg car would be a, the the perfect location absolutely uh this is going to be good we can't wait for all that's going to happen uh jose in the next couple months i mean there's there's really in the next couple weeks we got fight nights coming up leading we up. have the, we have a, a ufc fight card every single saturday until april Let's go. I mean, the fight <laughs> nights coming up are going to be good. Obviously, Izzy Romero fight. That's a dangerous yep. fight for him. I mean, that is <laughs> no one wants oh, yeah. to really fight Romero uh, as long as the strawweight championship with JJ trying to get her belt back. And uh, the fight night I'm looking forward to. Uh, actually, I mean, you mentioned the Leo Oliveira fight. But I'm looking at that March 21st Woodley Edwards fight, and I'm yeah. really eyeing that one. So there, there is just a lot of good UFC fights coming up. Yeah, that's uh, there's a lot of phenomenal main events coming up. Uh, a lot of top-heavy fight cards. I mean, even if you look at the Norfolk card, which has the title fight between Joseph Benavidez and Davidson Figueredo, that's for the vacant flyweight title. Uh, that's a great fight, but a lot of very top-heavy cards. I think the next really good fight night card, top to bottom, would be the Columbus card with Nganu and Jairzinho, Cody Garbrandt's on that card, Matt Brown, so... Uh, I think that's the next big, in my mind, that's the most stacked fight night card uh, until April. But if you look at like the main events, you got like Izzy Romero, Wiley Zhang, Joanna. Hopefully that fight stick, uh, stays together if Wiley can enter the country. Um, and then obviously uh, Ferguson and Habib, which I'm still adamant will never happen uh, because I believe in reverse <laughs> yeah. psychology. What happens huh. first, that or T City and uh, and the Korean zombie? I don't know. <sighs> Um, oh god hey before i let you go last thing we got to get to uh, i'm not going to talk to you so 11 days who do you have wilder or fury well uh fury 100 okay. all right we're, we're i think i there. think tyson fury is the best heavyweight in the world i agree and i think the only way that he loses is if he gets knocked out i agree there's no way deontay wilder outboxes uh tyson fury but and i do want to give a shout out to bt sports if you haven't watched it uh they did a promo package it's on their facebook page uh, for Fury and Wilder, and it might be the greatest uh, boxing promo I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm going to have to watch it because, you know, I love all that stuff, and uh, I can't wait for this fight. I think it's going to be a great one. I'm glad we got the rematch coming up soon. It's a great time for, uh, you know, being a fan of combat sports. We should also just mention uh, on our way out here that we're recording this on Tuesday. In February 11, 2020. You know what happened 30 years ago today? What happened 30 years ago today? Buster Douglas. Mike Tyson. Oh, no way. There you go. Yeah, 30 years ago, which I still think is the greatest upset in combat sport history. Hmm. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's either that or the Andrew Ruiz fight. It's one of those two. That's a good one. Uh, And if we really want to throw it back, what was it – the James Braddock, the Cinderella Man movie, when he beat, uh, was that Max Bear, I think? Yeah. Someone, uh, oh, but God, the, that's hard, man. That's yeah, real hard. Yeah, I know we're, we're really opening it up here, uh, but Tyson was just a killer, and uh, Buster Douglas, one fight, I think it was 42-1 to one 
in a lot of sites as well and a lot of bets as well. So, yeah, I mean, what a day that was in combat yeah, sports. You're not kidding me. Uh, last thing I do want to mention, we I don't really have a lot of New Japan stuff to talk to. We're kind of I'm kind of waiting your word for the next stuff coming up. But I did actually happen to come across some uh, wrestling in my social media timeline. Oh, and yeah? This kind of ties in everything together. I haven't been keeping up on WWE a lot, but mm-hmm. did they did they turn uh, Shayna Baszler into a vampire? I have no idea. Did you, tell me you saw that. Like, <laughs> I have. I missed. I missed that episode because I had landed on Sunday night. Like at midnight, and I just slept like all Monday, recovering from Houston. But yeah, yeah I saw that, and I was like, "What is going on right now?" <laughs> Anytime you see just biting and blood, you know, some girl bite another girl in the back of the neck, come through your timeline, you're gonna stop and be like, "What is happening here?" Honestly, honestly, uh, I'm I'm a fan of her work uh, in the squared circle. I think I'd like to see her actually take the title. I don't know if this is a hot take, but I'm kind of like ready for the the title change to happen. Becky Lynch is for great, but I'm Baszler kinda, and Lynch. Yeah, I'm kind of ready for Lynch not to be champion. You know, I think yeah, I, mean, better, I, I wouldn't but... hate it. I wouldn't hate it. I think it depends on like there's going to be a lot of faces at wrestle because like Baszler's going to fight face Shane, uh, Becky Lynch at Mania, and there's a lot of baby faces that are probably going to win. Like I imagine Edge will beat Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine. Uh, who else is? I don't know if Drew will win. That's Reigns 50 Reigns is going to beat uh, Bray Wyatt. The Fiend. Yeah. yeah, that's probable. So there's a lot of faces that are going to win, and they're going to need they're going to need some heels to win. I don't know who Seth is going to face. He could probably win because they're trying to build up him a lot. I have no idea who AJ is facing. So Shayna could be the one, especially if they want to put the rocket on her and have her just like shoot to the moon, but. I also wouldn't hate if Seth feuded with Aleister Black heading into Mania. I, I would have liked that the because Seth is calling himself the Messiah. I wouldn't hate the Messiah versus like this demonic kickboxer whatsoever. Starting with you know we kind of had some fantasy booking early and we'll finish with that here. You know crossing uh, crossing all worlds of entertainment. Always baby. Sports. So Jose Young, Sketchman MMA fighting. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Anytime, boss. All right, huge thanks to Jose Youngs for coming on the show. Catch all of his stuff at MMAfighting.com. Always have to mix in a little wrestling. And, uh, yeah, MMA's got a couple big months coming up. UFC cards every Saturday up until through April, as he said. So a lot going on in the combat sports world. Make sure you tune in. Now we're going to switch it up, talk to my buddy Tyler Tesson from St. Louis about the NFL quarterback musical chairs in the offseason. What's Tom Brady going to do? Is Tannehill going to get paid? Jameis, Cam Newton, even Phil Rivers in there. Could be some moving parts as well as the draft impacting how teams think. We talk about that as well as uh, the upstart XFL. Some thoughts on the first weekend of football and how well they did in the ratings and what things we like and maybe don't like about that league. It's Tyler Tesson now on the Money Mitch Effect. I'm feeling smooth, nothing gonna please me. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect, my buddy calling in from St. Louis, Tyler Tesson, front of the show, reoccurring guest. Tyler, thanks for joining. Best, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're ready for another wild offseason of football. The Chiefs uh, winning their first Super Bowl in over 50 years, but... There's a lot going on in the state of Missouri now. Suddenly, you know, I leave and no one can win anything, and now there's just championship banners being raised left and right. Absolutely, and the Chiefs and the Blues are just playing into it, saying it's 
Missouri <laughs> proud, and the teams are supporting each other. It's amazing what you do to have some good marketing and make some money off the other side of the state. Yeah, I, I should add though, we could be. Are we going to have three in a row? Are the are the Battlehawks going to do it too? <laughs> I think so. I can't wait for that parade down Market Street. I'm ready. Just run it, throwing out a Bud Light seltzer everywhere. Just, I mean, it was they won. They went hey. as an outright under as an outright underdog. They get the win in the XFL opener. Hey, they had the highest rated XFL game. I think it was like a seven point four. It was better than the Blues game on Saturday. <laughs> that that. So we're going to talk about a lot of things, but I do want to mention the XFL because it's crazy to me. One, like, I don't know if this league's going to last, but it is just insane how much people love football in this country. Like, they just they just love it. Like, there's no comparison. Well, it, it's crazy that the XFL had, so in St. Louis, that had better ratings than the Blues, who are defending Stanley Cup champions, than I think every game had a higher rating than NBA and college basketball over the weekend. That's 100% true. Now, I know they were on national networks, but still. I mean, you yeah. have a debut league with players that, for the most part, I think we can say aren't really good enough to make the NFL or stick around in the NFL as of the initial roster, and they outdrew. Uh, they outdrew those, those, two sports le- those two sports leagues. And, and looking at it, I don't know if this league is going to last. I hope it does because I do think a feeder system could work like NFL Europe was in the past where you can get some of these guys to the NFL to kind of resharpen their tools and go forward. But I also like the innovations because that was some of the stuff from the original XFL, like the sky cam, like some of the rules. We saw the kickoff. I'd never seen anything like it. I'm actually a fan of it. And some of the transparency in the replay review and, and with, the, with the refs and coaches mic'd up, I thought was kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, you can think what you want of Vince McMahon, but that guy knows how to market his products. I agree with you. I think it it could be a great feeder system, but I also think it's going to really push the NFL and challenge them on new rules and just changes because I think there are a lot of aspects that you mentioned that people like, and we know kickoffs and any kicking in the NFL is a big problem with concussions. So I think this is going to make the NFL really challenge themselves on do they start adopting some of these new rule changes? Yeah, the one and two and three point conversion plays, which I actually kind of enjoy as well. It extends games and kind of makes it more, you know, optimistic that a team can come back late. And I do think, you know, I mentioned Vince McMahon. He is used to marketing his product and reacting to what people say about it and changing his plans entirely. It's almost like he heard everybody just upset about the refs and the re- in the review system on Twitter or on social media during the NFL season, he's like, we're just going to mic him up the entire time. <laughs> so we know exactly what they're yeah. saying. Well, and then the best was just some of the chaos where people didn't understand all the rules and there was just confusion. Like, I, I think people honestly enjoyed just kind of the raw commentary. They're like, hey, these guys don't know what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, pretty crazy for sure. I'm actually going to – I'm going to – I don't say that, that I'm going to watch every game, but it, it's going to be you know something that I would stop and, and watch a little bit of. And the, and the gambling side, we didn't even mention that. They are full behind this gambling thing. They have the spread on the bottom line, on the ticker, on the score buck the entire time. So they are buying right into that market as well. Yeah, and I mean, how would you – I mean, the one game, the kicker misses a field goal immediately when he gets on the sideline. He's got a microphone in his face. Yeah, that was actually pretty – I mean, some of the interviews were a little overkill, but I do like the instant access to the players especially. Uh, I don't know that they'll ever have the household names. 
you know, and I don't know, I don't know if they necessarily need to. Uh, Cardell Jones maybe being the most famous guy so far, but you really have to just look at it as a developmental league where it could be a rehab stint for people that are trying to get back to the NFL or players that just haven't stuck it out, showing that they can, you know, show up well in film. So I'm, I'm optimistic. There's some I, football. I can't believe that they haven't tried to just sway Manziel or Kaepernick to join the league. Just the marketing dollars and ratings they would get that alone, I think, would be incredible. Yeah, I mean, that that is that is something I could see. I could also see, I thought you were going to go with just bags full of cash to the college sophomores that don't want to yeah. play one more year. Yeah, that, that's true, too. Ten-year, ten-game schedule in the spring. You'll get all your endorsement money. Yeah, I think that might be the way to go as well. But the XFL is uh, is taking off, and we'll see how that goes. But as far as the NFL goes, I do want to get your thoughts, Tyler, on uh, all the quarterback uh, musical chairs. It feels like every year we have a little bit of this, but I can't remember a year in the last you know five to ten or so where the, there's been as much uncertainty at that position. And it starts with some of the oldest, in fact, the oldest guards in the NFL. You got Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning retired. Cam Newton, is he going to come back? There's a lot of uncertainty, and I think it is going to affect how teams go into free agency and the draft. I mean, the fact that you got Brady and Rivers both out there, and, and Cam basically is you know, available for anybody, it's just it's pretty crazy. I think the Brady one's going to be the most interesting because it's going to just shock the football world if he doesn't go back to New England. I think – we're all just waiting on that on that one. And I also think that a lot of these teams, maybe not teams at the top of the draft where Brady isn't realistic and, and they might not even want you know a 43-year-old quarterback, depending on what their team aspirations are, what the rebuild plans are. But I think Brady is going to be the one that might be the first domino that has to fall. Does he come back to New England? And if he doesn't, what does the marketplace look like? What type of money is he is he looking for? I still, I'm still holding to this. Yeah. I'm still holding to this, Tyler. I don't think that he leaves unless it's a money contract dispute. Unless he says, "I want you know 30 million. I've been taking discounts. I want two years," and Belichick says, "No, I got tape that says you're not worth that." Yeah, I hope he does. I just feel like it, I don't know if it tarnished his career at all, but I just he's not going to go to another coach unless he just went to an absolutely loaded team. But he's just. You know, he's not the same player he was. So I think he fits great in the Belichick system, and that's his best chance to win. But, yeah, I, I'd be disappointed. But I I wonder how much of an impact Brady potentially being a free agent, Rivers being out there, the QB class, and Cam Newton played a role in Eli retiring. Just knowing he probably wasn't going to get a full, you know, starting job and you have to fight for it. If that just played a role in him being like, you know what, I'm not, it's not worth it fighting for this. I'm just going to call it quits. Yeah, someone that's made the money he's had and has had the success doesn't need to be collecting paychecks holding a clipboard, uh, which I get why a lot of players do it, to, to get those extra couple years in the league. But as far as Eli goes, uh, I just, you're, I agree. I don't think, I mean, where would Brady go that would better his career, better his chances to win if that's what this is all about? than New England. I, I understand the ego of maybe wanting to prove you can do it without Belichick and you know and that system, but I'm just being a realist here. I just don't see the need to, to go to the L.A. Chargers that have a lot of issues, have a lot, have a lot of holes in them. Uh, where Tennessee is the one where they made the AFC title game, but they have the decision to make on Tannehill, and that's one where yeah. I, I understand the pull of Brady, but 
Tannehill, Tannehill had a great year, and to, to just completely punt on him before you see what the contract demands are would be a bit would be a little foolish in my mind. I think the Tannehill one after Brady's piqued my interest the most because I want to see what the market is for a guy like that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Tannehill had a great year. Don't get me wrong, but I I feel like a lot due to Derrick Henry. I mean, that guy just <laughs> ran the ball so well, and you know play action he just opened the field up for team hell you know not easy throws but he didn't have to be as great as you know like someone like manning or brady back in their prime right i would say i mean yeah he's not a max quarterback if he wants that then you let a guy like that leave but this is a league where mediocre quarterbacks get 20 million a year so i could very well see Tannehill getting a four-year 100 million dollar and it not being just a complete ripoff because what the market what the market says. I think around that twenty twenty five million is what he's going to get next year, whether it's Tennessee or somewhere else. I would bet Tennessee is going to try and do a short term deal with them, like two or three years. I can't imagine them going too. I mean, it's not nearly the same situation. But you look at Tampa with Jameis; they don't know what to do. I don't. I mean, do you think do you think Arians wants him back? I don't think he does, or he's putting a putting a charade on in the media and doing a great job at it. I don't think he does, but I don't know if they're going to get anybody better in the draft. I think it's probably the predicament they're in is you just tag them for a year and, you know, trying to develop somebody. I don't, they're in a tough spot. Well, with Cam, you know, you mentioned the franchise tag, same thing. The, the, the tag is insane now with all these QB deals. I was thinking about this the other day. Remember when the QB franchise tag was like $22, 23000000 million? With the new money, yeah. you're getting the top, you're getting the average of the top five. I mean, it's going to cost the team a lot in that short-term salary just to franchise tag someone. Tampa would be a situation where, I, I mean, if Brady wants weapons, they have weapons in Tampa. Yeah, absolutely. Or even it could be a spot for Rivers, too. You know, if Arians is just like, I need a guy for two years potentially to come in for me to get me, get my quarterback. You know, I think that's another spot. Yeah. Isn't, um, isn't Breeze a free agent, too? Yeah, I think that's right, but I, all signs say at least for a year or so. Uh, I, the, he's going to come back. It's just a matter of what's the length of this is presumably final deal. And Breeze has had right. some shortcomings in the playoffs the last couple of years. I know the refs have been at the forefront of all the, the narrative, but uh, <laughs> he hasn't played well in, in a lot of those games. So yeah. I don't know what his long term is like, and I, uh, I'm i just going to go on record as saying this could be an old take exposed, but I don't think Taysom Hill is a franchise quarterback. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, and another, the Saints thing is interesting because of Bridgewater. Like, I think the the rumblings of what he's going to do next year, because I think he's got what, is he a free agent as well, or does he have one year left on a deal he signed with the Saints? I, I think, think he's, he's a, free, a free agent too. Yeah. So you get into that situation where what would a guy like him, I really do think he's going to look at it like the Tannehill approach of, I'm going to find a, a situation where the starter is is very much able to be beaten out, and I'm looking at the Chicago Bears. <laughs> or Tampa, too, if they bring back Javis. You know, honestly, I see the same with Rivers, because in this situation, Rivers, at, what, 37, 38 years old, I think, 38, he might have some pull-off, might not. You bring him in as a backup. He's made enough money. I think the approach... 
you know, whether or not Tannehill is the last thing is a last thing franchise quarterback going forward, I just love the blueprint that he created. I'm going to find a, a job where I could be a solid backup. The starter pretty much sucks, and I could get playing time midway through the year. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if Rivers has a choice. He's got like ten kids, so I think he's going to have to keep playing too. So <laughs> ten, yeah, and they're all under. I think I don't think any of them are like seventeen yet, which is just incredible. <laughs> Uh, but well, I mean, I do want to turn my attention, our attention now to our test on here on the money Mitch effect to, uh, the Cam Newton situation, because that might be the most confusing one. The owner today basically said, is he even healthy? Let's figure out if he's healthy before addressing terms of whether or not they wanted him back. I can't remember really an owner ever addressing that question quite like that. So I don't know what to believe. Matt Rule, the new coach, if they want Cam, if Cam's serious about staying. A lot of confusion, confusion in Carolina, who also lost Luke Keekley this offseason. So don't really know where they're going. Yeah, and Cam just kind of seems like he just doesn't even really care. He hasn't really been outspoken like, I want to keep playing football or I want to be with the Panthers. He's just kind of been silent on the whole deal, which I think – has everybody scratching their head, but I think the Rivera firing is going to play a big role into that, though, because I know he and Cam are very close, so I I think that may push Cam away from the Panthers at the end of the day. And who knows, maybe he goes to Washington to rejoin Rivera. You never know. Wow, Washington, huh? Well, <laughs> they're going to punt on Haskins already? Well, I don't know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. It could be just you know, Cam, he's just so beat up. Maybe he knows he's got a year or two left. And, it's, you know, he's just there to kind of help coach and groom him. Yeah, I'd say he's only 31 years old. He won the 30-31. Uh, he won the, the MVP, what, four or five years ago. Relatively yeah. young, especially for the quarterback position. But he has a lot of miles on him. He's beat up. I don't know if he is healthy. We've seen QBs fade fast out of this league. So it wouldn't be rare that if Cam just loses the – the ability to play at a high level um, reminds me of Steve McNair, all the he's, hits that he takes. Yeah. And he's, he's one of those who seems like a pretty smart guy. And I think he kind of already has an idea of what he wants to do post football. So you never know. He might be like, I just want to get out of here while I'm healthy and start my next career off. The Carolina thing's fascinating because they're doing a whole, you know, a whole overhaul with their regime with what they want to do. Tampa Bay is in that situation with, Jameis is, is dangling out wanting a new contract. The other guy we haven't mentioned that's waiting for his contract is Dak Prescott. And that was the running gag all season, depending on how he played, was how much money he's worth. I still don't think he's a max QB. He'll probably get close to that, though, based on the market, based on the need for somebody good and competent at the position, and knowing that Jerry Jones will do literally whatever it takes to win another title. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll be back, and he's going to I don't know if it'll be exactly max, but it'll be close. And that's a strange one. Everybody keeps talking about Brady going there. I just that one just seems kind of mind boggling to me. Yeah, Dak's in a different in a different stratosphere for this because they all want him back. They think he's the right guy for the future. They just don't think he's worth the maximum money. Everybody else we've mentioned, there's there's just you don't even get past the first question for sure of do they want them back. He's a good NFL quarterback, I, I wouldn't say he's great by any means, but, you know, the money you pay for a good quarterback now is just insane. Well, yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm more of a, of a short-term, short-list guys of who are traditionally great. Like, after, like, Mahomes, Russ, Rodgers still up there, 
You know, there's not as many great quarterbacks. Yeah. Lamar had the year. We'll see if he can build on it. I mean, look at Jared Goff, the contract he got. I mean, I would say Dak, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right there with him. I, I don't know if I'd say Jared Goff is much better than Dak. We also need to address the fact that the Rams are in serious trouble going forward. <laughs> they, they have no draft picks, no money, and they're in a very tough division all of a sudden. Yeah, that's not a not a good place to be at. I, I think golf's a big question mark there. Was was he hurt last year? Was it just a down year? Well, I guess you could say put Gurley in the same conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is he hurt? I think those are the two big question marks. Is golf really your guy going forward? I mean, he's going to have to be with the money they paid him. But also, is Gurley your guy? Because there's there's something strange going on there with you know. Brown getting a lot of the handoff yeah. to the end zone and, you know, just the, the amount of touches he got this year was just, it was really strange. Not sure if, uh, if golf is the guy forward long-term, but I know if we were going to rank QBs and coaches that don't get along, or I should say coaches that aren't really a fan of their QBs with Arians and Winston at the top of the list, I don't think McVay and golf would be far behind. Really don't think McVay is uh, thrilled to be tied, either, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. But it will be a changing of the guard, though. We got, you know, Roethlisberger coming back. He's rounding third on his career. Breeze and Brady. A lot of new quarterbacks going to be coming into this league and, and filling out uh, roles. And we got Burrow looking like he's going to go to the go to the Bengals. Uh, to his clean bill of health in the MRI this week. I, I would be shocked if he fell past five in the Dolphins. I also think there's a good chance that someone will be trading up between two and four to go get him. And what we talked about with QB being so uncertain in this league, I, I would be stunned if he's not a top five pick. Yeah, I feel like the Dolphins is a great pick for him, you know, right at five. I, you know, as long as health's not a question and everything's looking good, I think that just is a good landing spot. And unless somebody trades up, you know, who knows? Bruce Arians may love him and try and get up there. <laughs> well, and you mentioned too, like, the Dolphins are a great spot. They also have the perfect guy to just be a filler for one in oh, Fitzpatrick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, you know, he knows how to be a quarterback in the league. He can help kind of bring Tua up. Yeah, it's good no for a better no, situation. No problem being benched, coming back from the bench, going back to the bench. I mean, it's just he's ready when you need him, and uh, that's perfect for him. One interesting thing you just brought up I forgot about. I think Pittsburgh might be an attractive place for, like, you know, maybe even a Rivers or, you know, it could be that guy looking for a starting job just with the health of Roethlisberger. I mean, that could be a, a place where if you're or like a Bridgewater, you know you're going to have a good shot due to health with the Big Ben to get in there pretty quickly. And you know the infrastructure is in place to where even if the QB goes down, if you get a, a backup that's competent, you could still make the playoffs. Like they almost did it yeah. with Duck Hodges last year. Right, right. So, so yeah, I, I think that's going to be interesting to see. I am, uh, I'm, you know, I'm still not exactly happy that the quarterback of my team has just been partying like a fat boy all summer. So that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious to see how it's all going to shake out with the Browns. Just with Beckham's kind of off-season shenanigans and Baker just being Baker. I, Here's- I'm really curious to see if it's going to. If all those guys are intact in two or three years. Uh, I'm curious, too. Obviously, given the uh, track record, the smart money would be on no, they won't be all intact. <laughs> but 
this is all I'm going to say. It's going to be interesting. There's talent there. It could work out. Stefanski and the, and the and the desire to go to analytics and, and restructure the front office. All I'll say is these guys have to have good years because there's no more Baker allies in the front office. There's no more people tied to you know these players. So this is going to be a competition and a talent thing. There's nobody that that is bound at the hip to any of these guys, especially that quarterback Baker Mayfield. Because now that the guy that drafted him's gone, the coach that got promoted because of him is gone. He's going to have to have a good year. Like, this is make or break for him and a lot of these guys. I couldn't agree more. They're probably on the top of everybody's list of teams to watch last year, but I think they're going to be at the very, very top this year. If it can be under control and they'll come and play lights out, it'll be a great turnaround. And um, I can't even think of what's the coach's name off the top of my head for last year. Oh, Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, I'm trying to forget Yeah, Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. He's going to look like even bigger idiot than he was already. Yeah. Gosh, well, the NFL, we already got a couple months till the uh, draft. The XFL get us there, and then we're, we're bound on to another season, hopefully coming soon. Tyler Tesla on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, before I let you go, though, uh, I did want to bring up the fact that, you know, you went to the All-Star game hosted in St. Louis by the uh, Western Conference leading St. Louis Blues. I'm kind of over three on three, though. I'm kind of ready for it to be reformatted again. Yeah, I. it was just boring. And just being there looking around, no one was really interested. It was more people just were there for more of a social event and just drinking in the stands. It's just slow pace. Nobody really cares. And I don't know. It, I think they need to change it up. I don't know if going back to the traditional All-Star game is the way to go or if they need to look at, you know, a couple different options. But I agree. I think it's. I think it's kind of gotten stale at this point. Maybe do North America versus the world again, the player draft, something to kind of just you know try to bring Lifeboy back into it. Um, you know, skills competition is always fun. I think that's always a good event to see. It is crazy, though, to think that like a year ago where the Blues were to now having Cuffin being the best team in the West with the chance to, to do some damage again. Pretty Pretty remarkable, to say the least. Yeah, and with all the injuries they've had this year, it's – I'm shocked. I didn't. I did not think they would rebound the way they have. You know, Vincent looks like he's still the real deal, and they get Tarasenko back for the playoffs. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I almost feel like in the Blues showed it last year. They're doing well again this year, but there, there's two types of of teams going into the playoffs where it's like you need to just be peaking at the right time, which Tampa Bay wasn't last year. They've kind of gotten that out of their system early, and they're playing well. The teams that ride high going into the playoffs with momentum. Or the flip side of that dollar is the teams like Edmonton loses McDavid, Columbus lost Seth Jones for now two months. You know you got to just hold on and try to get there, get everybody healthy, and then make your push there. Which uh, you know the Blues are kind of like that as well with like Tarasenko if they can just hold on, get him back, and you know see what happens. Yeah, it's all about getting out at the right time. It's all that first in last year. So yeah, hopefully it all works again and the stars align. I did want to mention that uh, I did see that uh, they are retiring 44 at the Scott Trade Arena. Yeah. Who would have thought about 15 years ago, everybody hated Chris Pronger for a while there, but now he is, I mean, awesome player back in the day. I loved watching them, so it's not a big surprise. I was a huge Chris Pronger fan. Uh, I understand certain friends of mine, especially that were not Chris Pronger fans for a lot of different reasons. But he was probably, and I say this with all due respect and admiration, 
maybe the meanest guy in his era. Yeah, and maybe dirtiest. <laughs> maybe dirtiest. I would like to just have a time machine, all these guys trying the Michigan move now, to see what would have happened if you did that against Pronger. Yeah, have a broken arm. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. But, no, it'll be fun to see what happens there. Uh, yeah, Tyler, this was fun. Appreciate you coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Last question. I'm going to probably, we talked about this before, might be heading up to the Riviera for the golf tournament this year. Uh, first time I've ever, I've actually never seen golf in person. I know you were at the PGA when Tiger made his run, but Kepka won it. So what kind of advice would you have for me following the grounds on Saturday? Uh, you got to see Tiger in person. It's, it's just the crowds, and it's just pretty surreal. Kepka's another one. You got to see in person, but... I mean, the thing is, find a good hole in the beginning, hang out there, and then once all the good groups go through, then you can get just kind of start following people around. But it's one of the better sporting events I think you can go to in person just because you're so close and there's just such a good view at it. It's pretty incredible. I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's not going to have like the major feel that the PGA had, but you know at any golf tournament, if Tiger starts making some putts, the crowd's going to be buzzing. So that's why. Oh, yeah. You know, like we were saying, he hasn't won this. I think it's 12 times that they've had it at the Riviera, uh, this event, where it normally is, and uh, he's done terrible at it. So hopefully he's even there on Saturday. But, yeah, I want to see him. want to see DJ. DJ, you know, is always down for a good time as well. And Bubba Watson, who I was looking this up, has won it the last, like, three even years. He's got this weird 14, <laughs> 16, 18 thing going on. So Yeah. Um, we'll like see what happens. San Francisco Giants. Yeah, yeah. Why, why didn't he pick a better tournament to do this at? But we'll have to, right. see, what, we'll have to see what happens there. But Tower the Fun, appreciate you coming on, talking QBs, XFL, a little bit of everything. Uh, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mitch. All right, huge thanks to both guests, Jose Youngs and Tyler Tesson, for appearing on today's show. Also just want to mention, there was a very scary incident last night in Anaheim in the hockey game between the Ducks and the Blues when veteran defenseman for St. Louis, Jay Bowmeister, had a cardiac episode on the bench. Uh, the training staff did a remarkable job getting him to come to, taking him to the hospital. He is alert and appears to be doing much better, but they postponed the game. It's a very scary situation. I know it was Dad's weekend for St. Louis. They were... You know, all, all ready to, to see their boys play. Very scary. Thoughts are with J-Bo. We're, we're really praying for you, J-Bo, Meester. We, uh, we hope you're doing better. Uh, but, again, props immensely to the training staffs for both teams for helping uh, potentially save a life there because that's what they did. It's scary to see at any any sport, any level of sports. But um, great job again, and hopefully J-Bo is doing a lot better. Prayers up to him for sure. That's it for the Money Mitch Effect. You can catch every episode on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play wherever podcasts are found just search money mitch effect it pops right up leave a rating or review subscribe there check out the money mitch effect facebook page and follow me on twitter at money mitch m21 and uh, yeah we'll be trying we're trying to get to riviera this weekend we'll see what happens there might do a recap next week talk some more in the world of hockey and basketball and football offseason whatever is going on in the sports world we have it covered here i'm mitch michaels this was the money mitch effect keep enjoying sports